Stanley didn't change much. I mean, his acceptance speech about Icarus <laughs> at the Director's Guild. I mean, nothing could be more perfect. The myth of Icarus and flying too high for success. And the, he says, and people always took that as a, a moral tale about hubris. And he said, let's make better wings. <laughs> you know, it's so perfectly Stanley. Good evening. I'm sorry not to be able to be with you tonight to receive this great honor of the D.W. Griffith Award. But I'm in London making eyes wide shut with Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. And just about this time, I'm probably in the car on the way to the studio, which, as it happens, reminds me of a conversation I had with Steven Spielberg about what was the most difficult and challenging thing about directing a film. And I believe Stephen summed it up about as profoundly as you can. He thought the most difficult and challenging thing about directing a film was getting out of the car. I'm sure you all know the feeling. But at the same time, anyone who has ever been privileged to direct a film also knows that although it can be like trying to write war and peace in a bumper car in an amusement park. When you finally get it right, there are not many joys in life that can equal the feeling. I think there's an intriguing irony in naming the Lifetime Achievement Award after D.W. Griffiths, because his career was both an inspiration and a cautionary tale. His best films will always rank among the most important films ever made, and some of them made him a great deal of money. He was instrumental in transforming movies from a Nickelodeon novelty to an art form, and he originated and formalized much of the syntax of movie making, now taken for granted. He became an international celebrity, and his patronage included many of the world's leading artists and statesmen of the time. But Griffith was always ready to take tremendous risks in his films and in his business affairs. He was always ready to fly too high. And in the end, the wings of fortune proved for him, like those of Icarus, to be made of nothing more substantial than wax and feathers. And like Icarus, when he flew too close to the sun, they melted. And the man whose fame exceeded the most illustrious filmmakers of today spent the last 17 years of his life shunned by the film industry he had created. I've compared Griffith's career to the Icarus myth. But at the same time, I've never been certain whether the moral of the Icarus story should only be, as is generally accepted, don't try to fly too high, or whether it might also be thought of as forget the wax and feathers and do a better job on the wings. One thing, however, is certain. D.W. Griffith left us with an inspiring and intriguing legacy, and the award in his name is one of the greatest honors a film director can receive something for which I humbly thank all of you very much.
Good evening, and this is the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. That, of course, was the late Stanley J. Kubrick, who received the D.W. Griffith Lifetime Achievement Award from the Directors Guild of America a year before he died. That was in 1998. He was finishing Eyes Wide Shut, and then a year later, on May 7, March 7th, 1999, Stanley Kubrick died. He was 70 years old. Born July 26, 1928 in New York City. His films were, were almost all of which adaptions of novels or short stories cover a wide range of genres and are noted for their realism, dark humor, unique cinematography, extensive set designs, and evocative use of music. Oh, he was evocative. He was provocative. There was always a Stanley Kubrick film for that. He started out as a photographer for Life magazine, photographed um, people after the death of FDR and their expressions and the newsreels, the newspapers. I thought it would, I would just talk about him because, you know, this is a film podcast and a music podcast. And what Stanley Kubrick did with both was both profound provocative, evocative, magical, madness, illumination, everything. It either went over your head or it slapped you around and it fucked you up. That is a Stanley Kubrick film. People often talk about the great directors and they talk about, well, why this one is better. Trust me, we're not going to talk about Michael Bay. (laughs) We're not. No, no. Because Michael Bay is a piss stain. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. Compared to Stanley Kubrick. He influenced everybody. He influenced Martin Scorsese. Steven Spielberg. Wes Anderson. George Lucas. James Cameron. Terry Gilliam. The Coen brothers. Ridley Scott. George A. Romero. Have cited Kubrick as a source of inspiration. And additionally in the case of Spielberg and Scott. A collaboration. Yep. Kubrick continues to be cited as a major influence by many directors, including Christopher Nolan, Todd Field, David Fincher, Guillermo del Toro, David Lynch, Lars von Trier, Tim Burton, Michael Mann, Gaspar Noir. Many filmmakers imitate Kubrick's inventive and unique use of camera movement and framing, as well as the use of music, including Frank Darabont. Artists in other fields other than film have expressed admiration for Kubrick. English musician and poet, I love this musician, PJ Harvey, in an interview about her 2011 album, Let England Shake, argued that something about what is not said in his films, there's so much space, so many things that are silent, and somehow in that space and silence, everything becomes clear. With every film, he seems to capture the essence of life itself, particularly in films like Paths of Glory, 2001, A Space Odyssey, Barry Lyndon. Those are some of my favorites. The music video for Kanye West's 2010 Runaway was inspired by Eyes Wide Shut. Pop singer Lady Gaga's concert shows have included the use of dialogue, costumes, and music from A Clockwork Orange. Stanley Kubrick basically was ahead of his time cinematically and and here we are and there is a war going on russia has it you know has attacked um ukraine 
And the one film that I thought of immediately is Dr. Strangelove. Or how I stopped learning, worrying and learned to love the bomb. And that was in my parents' and grandparents' era of the Cuban Missile Crisis. And what Kubrick did was to poke fun at that. People were scared. But what Kubrick did was that that's where he was provocative. He wanted to test the limits of film. He won his only Academy Award for Best Special Effects for A Space Odyssey 2001. But awards aside, he is one of the most prolific directors of all time. You could say, well, Scorsese, save it. Even Scorsese would agree with me. Well, you could say, well, Akiro, Akiro Korasara, uh, save it. He would agree with me. Billy Wilder, save it. He would agree with me. Spiel, uh, Lucas, <laughs> even Lucas was like, Kubrick is just on fire. Everyone was making their youth films of that era. They were making, you know, um, American Graffiti and Spielberg was making his films and Kubrick made a Clockwork Orange. <sighs> there, There is a lot to be said about Stanley Kubrick. And sometimes I'm at a loss for words. His films, you're not supposed to like them right away. They are just madness. They are music. They are punk rock. I've seen some of his films multiple times. I've never seen Lolita. I don't know if I want to. Okay. But the films that I do own of his that I think are just madness in a good way. I've I've never seen Paths of Glory. That that is on my list. But Doctor Strange Love, A Clockwork Orange, The Shining. Those are those are just some of them. A Space Odyssey 2001. Yeah. I've talked to people who are bored by A Space Odyssey 2001. And then I notice is, is that as you grow and as you become an artist yourself, you come to appreciate A Space Odyssey 2001, A Space Odyssey, and how magical it is that it's not about the dialogue. It's about everything else. And that's what PJ Harvey said about the space. There's a lot of space. There's a lot going on. Cinematically, the cinematic eye. And so that's why his death, his death was startling. It was startling. Eyes Wide Shut, I think they were still finishing it. When he died, it is, I mean, it was, it was a loss. It was a loss. And you, you know, in fact, there was another film that he was going to work on, AI, artificial intelligence and he gave it to Spielberg 
And Spielberg left a lot of the visual concepts that Kubrick... If, you, if you've ever watched AI, and I've watched pieces of it, toward the end, he totally left in Kubrick's cinematic vision for a futuristic world. And so... I mean, this is... Uh, I really don't have a lot to say. I think his films speak for themselves. I truly do. And I love when his friends and loved ones talk about him. Including his wife, who is still with us, Christiane Kubrick. I think that's how you say her name. Um, yeah. Is that okay? There she, yeah, she's she's, well, she's gonna be ninety. She's gonna be ninety. Christian Kubrick. <laughs> I love how the computer just says his name the wrong way. But I thought, if anything, let's just end tonight with that Academy Award tribute in 1999, done by Steven Spielberg. He wanted to take us places we could never have imagined, and so he imagined them for us. He is Stanley Kubrick. He died before he could witness the century he had already made famous with 2001 A Space Odyssey. Stanley wanted us to see his movies absolutely as he envisioned them. He never gave an inch on that. He dared us to have the courage of his convictions. And when we take that dare, we're transported directly to his world and we're inside his vision. And in the whole history of movies, there has been nothing like that vision ever. It was a vision of hope and wonder, of grace, and of mystery. It was a gift to us, and now it's a legacy. We will be challenged and nourished by that for as long as we keep the courage to take his dare. And I hope that will be long after we've said our thanks and our goodbyes. conspiracy to sap and impurify all of our precious bodily fluids. I know everything hasn't been quite right with me, but I can assure you now that it's going to be all right again. Dave. 
And that was the 1999 Academy Award tribute to Stanley Kubrick. And so here at the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast, I know my listeners, you you are either scared of Kubrick or you love him. You're either a little queasy to watch A Clockwork Orange... But those of us who have watched it, watch it over and over and over. Or The Shining. Full Metal Jacket, which is a tough movie. Eyes Wide Shut. Hello. Dr. Strangelove. There there are so many of his films. And that's the thing about Kubrick. He didn't plateau. He kept going up, 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 up. Up and he was aware of that in that Icarus speech that he gave. Flying too close to the sun. And this was the man that gave us 2001 A Space Odyssey. And so whenever people want to fight me on the importance of Kubrick, I go, well, just watch his movies. Because everyone has been influenced by him. They may not say it, but cinematically, Mr. Tarantino, when you see Reservoir Dogs and they're all walking together, that's along the lines of A Clockwork Orange where the Droogs and Alex are all walking together. And the music and the pumping it up and the testosterone, I mean, that is what you get. And he had so many masterpieces there. Yes, 2001 is Space Odyssey. But then what about Dr. Strangelove? What about Paths of Glory? What about Spartacus? What about Barry Lyndon? What about The Shining? A Clockwork Orange? Full Metal Jacket? Eyes Wide Shut? There were so many different... He was he was within every genre. Horror, love, romance, historical, punk, rock. The, the psychologist... Or, uh, not psychologist. Um, psycho films. War. Sex. Cinema. S'il vous plaît. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I said that. But, um, yeah, this is the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast. <coughs> 23 years. Uh, in fact, if Kubrick had lived, he would have been on the eve of his 94th birthday. And his wife 
is about to turn 90 in May. Many of Stanley's uh, contemporaries are gone. Then there are those who are still with us. Scorsese, Spielberg, Lucas. And, and Paul Thomas Anderson. Paul Thomas Anderson talked about meeting Kubrick. He really had... He said that Kubrick was not only impressed he directed Boogie Nights, but he was more impressed that he wrote it. That says something right there. And so for all of us who love cinema and all of us who love film and music, and even when you put Beethoven in A Clockwork Orange or Wendy Carlos in The Shining, <laughs> that music, it, it all melds together. And I dare all of you, my listeners, to watch a Stanley Kubrick film watch all of them i think i've seen i mean there's a few that i haven't seen i haven't seen paths of glory i haven't seen lolita i've seen bits and pieces of barry linden full metal jacket i think i watched in college but then there are those that i've seen multiple times the shining i can name on one hand the shining a clockwork orange dr strange love a space, 2001, A Space Odyssey. Those are four of his films. Not just one, four. I would like to get to the point where I've seen all of them. So that's the Dr. Zeus Film Podcast for tonight. Mr. Uh, Stanley Kubrick, wherever you are, I really hope you're flying too close to the sun with those feathers. Unpleasant dreams.